Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalist. Matt Pagel here once again with Adam Chemelewski as we drive on farther in Appreciation April. Uh, we just covered Raised by Wolves, um, as as you well know, a show that whoa. me and Chema are real into. And now whoa, we're moving whoa. on farther in April. What, what, what's going on, Chema? Dude, it's like, June, did you get stuck in one of those time loop things? Oh, shit. That might be happening. Did somebody um, Palm Springs her ass? So, <laughs> someone Palm Springs me. Uh, there could be a Donnie Darko situation going on. Are you sure it's not April? Because I feel like we're going to do this whole music episode. And that was a part of Appreciation April. Unless I'm stuck in a reverse time, I mean, like a forward time loop or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's June, but I don't know. Like I said, this you are thousands and thousands of miles away. So anything could happen, especially because, you know, Ohio seems to be going backwards. It so does like, seem to be going backwards. Um, but the good news is if you're a teacher, you can now arm yourself to the teeth. And yeah. walk into any classroom if you feel like. Um, no, so, okay. I, I'm not going to get into that because that's just a whole other fucking can yeah. of worms. But, um, uh, but uh, so Chema and I are, we actually are doing an, an Appreciation April episode. Uh, simply because the last time we did it, we didn't record my audio for the most part. Um, because, you know, after years and years of doing this, you'd think I would know to adjust certain settings on your computer to fucking record things. Uh, but I didn't. And, you know, like if... I remember Chema, like I, I flipped it on, I remember like flipping it on and it was just like this, I could hear like this muffled, like just this, and I was like, at first I'm like, well, did I accidentally, do I not have the sound going to my headphones? Did I, like something else wrong? And I'm flipping around with it and then I hear your voice come in and I'm like, motherfucker, I... So I had I bought like for work I actually finally broke down and bought a um, a webcam, and yeah, one thousand percent totally forgot that when I plugged that in the um, the audio input switched over to that immediately. So my I was holding this microphone here talking into it. It might as well have been a fucking dildo that I was talking yeah. to. <laughs> you never know. It could be it, like. Anything could be a dildo if you want it to be. Remember that. That's a that's a that's a very good point. Just make sure you are you have nine one one literally already typed into your phone, and you just have to press send. No, very very true. Oh my god! Like yeah, I, the, the stories that I've I've heard from people in the medical field about stuff in people's nether regions mm -hmm. it's atrocious dude it's atrocious but it, the one yeah the one thing we got out of this is that like this is going to be I, I believe our first ever re-record episode so everybody out there you're getting to see a, a first year i don't think we've ever done this before i i don't think we have because i don't think we've other than <clears throat> other than like skype cutting out mm -hmm. we've never really had a problem with the recording before right right and there was i think there was one time where Skype, there was issues we maybe had to postpone or something like yes. that, but it was never an outright re-record. You know, it, it's really funny. Like, I, I hear that, like, on, uh, you know, quote-unquote professional podcasts. I, I've, I've heard that story so many times where, like, people who are associated with, like, HeadGum or Earwolf or, um, mm -hmm. you know, some other podcast network, like, they're just like, yeah, we just had to dump this recording because we didn't record any of it. And I'm like... How in the fuck does that happen to you guys? Like, I, yeah, like I know that's your whole fucking job is doing that. Yeah, dude, I know that is insane. Like that, and when you get to like like Earwolf's like a network, you know they have like a bunch of goddamn shows. You yeah. would think that somewhere in there there is a like big sign that says press this button before recording or something like that. 
You would you would think you would think, um, but again, it, it should happen. It happened to us. Um, and again, it's not that we didn't record anything. We just didn't record me being loud enough. If you like, if if I were to post a clip, you would hear me talking faintly, very faintly in the background, and then yeah. you come in at normal level. I gotcha. I gotcha, dude, for sure. Yeah, and like. I'm actually looking into getting like a microphone and stuff soon too. So I'm like, uh, or Jess has got one. We're going to try to like use it more and everything. So this is all good stuff to keep in mind as far as the future and recording and making sure everything comes out clearly. You know, you, you learn yeah. from your mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but uh, we are here doing our appreciation April music appreciation redux. Um, and I'll let, uh, I'll let Chama take it from here. Yeah, yeah, everybody. So, yes, it is going to be a music appreciation redux. This is the episode that um, you were supposed to get in April, so you're, we're all going to get it now. And this is basically a conversation about music and stuff. We're going to go through some different, uh, you know, different categories of topics and everything. Like, there's five of them. I labeled them as kind of like, you know, takes on albums and songs and stuff, and except for one, which is uh, or no, actually, I did with the Kid Cudi song. But yeah, it's like rockets of discussion, talk among us, soundtracks in our lives, the subterranean and genres and never mind the critics here's what we're lifting to which is um making workout playlists is one of our favorite things to do here on the show but before we get into the heart of the discussion we're just going to have some opening stuff and i'm just going to no real lightning round question we're going to get right into it and just in a couple sentences what do you appreciate the most about music as an art form i i appreciate it that um more so than other more so than other art forms, I feel like you get like an instant sort of emotional reaction for music. Um, mm -hmm. I, and I suppose you could get it from anything, right? I mean, you could get that same instant emotional reaction from a movie, um, a book or, or a painting or something. But I feel like I feel like those require a little bit more contemplation as to why you're feeling that feeling. Whereas music just kind of cuts right to it. Um, yeah. Whether it's something in the lyrics, something in the way the music sounds... <clears throat> a lot of times a lot of times you have you know maybe a song um tied to a particular memory or whatever and it's just like an instantaneous sort of like emotional reaction that i don't feel like you get this exact same way from other from other uh media and other forms of entertainment and art oh dude i i kind of hear you on that one all the way like this music cuts like right to the heart of it and stuff and like you know i'll tell you that um there have been a couple experiences of mine where um my emotional reaction has been delayed a little bit, largely just due to contemplation by what I've been listening to. The new Tool album, Tool album from a couple of years ago, is a prime example of that. But for the most part, like I hear something, and like you know, I'm not saying like, oh my god, one song immediately riles me up. But I hear a song, and I'm like, you know, this could easily be like a song that I work out to. Maybe I'll save this album for that. And then don't even get me started on the amount of emotional and nostalgic connections that I have to songs, both good and bad. You know, like there are songs out there that, you know, mm -hmm. like I'll hear remind me of Jess or something. You know, it's like one of our, you know, like our in quotes songs and yeah. stuff. And uh, it makes me feel very happy. And then there are some times where I may hear a song where I feel completely sad or I hear an OAR song and I'm reminded of the first car I ever rear ended. <laughs> so like, you know, there's just a lot of different kinds of emotions that, um, that music gets right to the heart of to, you know, with music and I mean, sorry, with film and television, maybe paintings, even books and stuff like that. Like it does take a little bit more contemplation, like, and the, lack of time that you take to 
you know, had that contemplation to get to the emotional reaction with music. It's just like one of the things that I, I one of the things that only gets like right to the heart of it's what I'm saying. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. usually get so moved by a painting unless it's like the greatest painting in the world. I, I, I think, I mean, I think you could be moved by a painting, but I still think you'd need to sort of, you still kind of need to sit with it as to why yeah. you're like, so why is this moving me? Like, what is it? The color? Is it the subject? You know, mm-hmm. what is it? It still takes a little bit more contemplation. Um, whereas like you can flip on a song and like immediate, just immediately just feel like the the first, like the first like beat drops and like you're hyped, you're ready to go. Yeah. You're like, Holy shit. This song's fucking great. Or, mm-hmm. or that, you know, those, those first bars come out and you're just like, Oh shit. Like whatever it is, is hitting me right now. I, I just think it's a little bit more instantaneous. Yeah, dude, there are times like especially when it comes to like certain sounds, like especially like um like punk and alternative and everything. There's certain punk rock sounds that like I'm that you know, I'm just not as into as other sounds in punk and everything. And then like I'll be listening to an album and like maybe like a couple of songs aren't doing it for me, but then the band just hits on the right sounding distortion the right sounding riff, the lyrics, it all comes together. And within like 10 seconds, I'm just like, okay, this might be the song that I really rock out for the next like couple months. And, mm-hmm. it, and it happens like quite often, actually. <laughs> like it's, it's just kind of interesting to see how, you know, maybe one day, I don't know, you're just kind of sitting around and you hear about a band, you check it out and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then you got a, a three to six month obsession right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It happens, happens to me all the time. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying, man. And like, I the thing that like, I appreciate like the most out of music is just number one, the ease, the ease of it compared to other art forms and stuff like that is just in terms of me to absorb is just mm-hmm. a lot easier and everything. And like, I also can appreciate the fact that it is the only art form out there that the more and more I listen to it, it gets better. And like with um, comedies, for example, like there's only a handful of comedies out there that I could watch over and over and over again, you know, like old school, happy Gilmore and stuff. And like, maybe still sort of get a laugh out of it, but I'd say 90% of the comedies, one or two viewings. And I'm like, I'm kind of over it. I'm just kind of done. There are certain movies out there, which of course are worth a lot of repeat viewings, but most movies to me are one and two and, and then I'm kind of over it. But like when it comes to music, like one or two listens on an album, if it's a good one, that's definitely not enough. That's something you're going to want to experience over and over and over again. And like in those repeated viewings, it definitely gets a lot better and stuff. And there are times where I, I hate to say this, but there are songs that like I, I kind of don't like. And then after hearing it, God only knows how many times, like I'm singing the words. I know all the words in my, driving in my car and stuff like that and rocking out. So it, um, it is very, very unusual how listening to something, at least for me, can sometimes make it better. It doesn't happen all the time, but there are some instances where, where it definitely does. That's a, that's a really interesting, that's a really interesting point there. Cause I, 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 I don't personally get that out of music like it's i should i shouldn't i should i don't get it the same way um clearly like i i still like songs you know what i mean like i mm-hmm. still have favorite songs from over the years or whatever but like i've never experienced it that way but i've but i've definitely have never experienced a movie or a tv show that way like it never yeah. once has 
have I rewatched something and went like, oh man, it was this was better on the second viewing. And this is someone who has, I'm someone who has seen, who watches It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia all the way through every single year. Who has yeah. watched Game of Thrones all the way through like four or five times. It it doesn't, it, it's, it's, you know, like I love going back and watching early Sunny, especially just to sort of see like how, mm-hmm. you know, how that show has grown since they were like right. in their late 20s. But it, yeah. it's not like the first like episode has gotten better over time. Right. If anything, a lot of stuff in the first season has gotten worse over time. But mm-hmm. but you can but it's also sort of like a time capsule. Like, hey, it was totally okay to use the R word just casually in conversation at this point in time on TV. Yeah, that's right. It was totally appropriate to put it in the title in the of one title. of your episodes, the episodes and stuff like that. Yeah, like when I do go back on watching older stuff, like it is weird because like I, you know, I know that I'm going to get a couple laughs. You know what I'm saying? Like obviously, like you're going to miss a joke or something you didn't get before. Maybe there's something that you just maybe kind of understand and comprehend now, and it, it maybe is funny, but um, there with like with with Sunny in particular, like yeah, you a lot of stuff that they used to do probably not flying. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is very interesting, especially like once God, I think in like season, maybe five or six rolls around when they kind of like had this like resurgence of sunny, like, cause it, it, I'm not saying it was bad, but it was not as good in this middle section of the show's yeah. history. And it, so it's, like, it's when they bring, it's when they bring, um, where it kind of kicks back up again is when like David Hornsby becomes like a regular writer on the show. Uh, yeah, cricket, I gotcha. When he becomes like a regular yeah, writer. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. And like the um you know, like when you love that show like as much as you and I do, going back on those old episodes, like it is almost like kind of like looking at like a almost like an artifact of the show and I love how you go back and like, you know, the, all the stuff about Mac being gay, like there's early evidence of that. Mm-hmm. And like, there's also, you know, little kind of droplets along the way that really indicate that they're going to go this like crazy psycho route with Dennis, but they just haven't gone there yet. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I think it's really cool to go back and see that kind of stuff, but it's not like, but you, you're right. It's not like the pilot all of a sudden is just like, me going back on, I'm like, you know, some of the pilot of this is just like the greatest show, the episode they've right. ever done. It doesn't happen like that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, dude. No, I totally got you on that for sure. So these next little bit of questions is going to be taking a little bit of a stroll through how, I guess, maybe the ways that we used to consume music or, you know, used to get our media music and um, also just like a couple, one little section about music videos that I just kind of want to get your take on. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off in the world of terrestrial radio and how has the role of terrestrial terrestrial radio changed in your life from when you were younger to today? It, it really, um, it's changed. It's, it, I should say I've changed and I've changed in line with the demographics of radio mm-hmm. use. Um, I use radio for information. I listen yeah. to, you know, I'm, I'm listening to for listening to it for a baseball game or, or a basketball mm-hmm. game or whatever, or I'm listening to it, um, you know, to a news talk station, sports talk radio, whatever. I'm, I am firmly, I'm now firmly in that demographic who is tuning into news talk now. Yeah, of course, dude. I am, I morph that way myself. If I'm ever, 
listening to music on the radio, it is strictly because I just don't feel like putting in my phone. It's sure. It's just like, okay, I maybe heard like a, a classic song when I first got in the car and I'm just letting it roll until I go to the store or something. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I was a kid, like the radio was awesome. <laughs> like the radio is where you like, yeah found found out about music and everything and like you go to hear like the the latest singles and when we were in high school um wmms got a copy of like the first five six songs off of what would have been the first audio slave album mm -hmm. and they were playing one song every hour for the first like six hours of the day it was awesome and that was really cool to kind of like tune in to, to like see what these new songs sounded like or get ready the next single is going to drop here at a certain day like that stuff was really really cool growing up mm -hmm. and like now i god I, this is no joke before the lockdowns happened in 2020 i saw tame impala in concert and they had released their what was their newest album the slow rush not that long before the show like maybe just like six weeks at the most and the show was in march and i remembered um like i remembered like leading up to this album release there were singles on the radio and one of the songs that I heard on the radio came out the same day that the song was released online. And I remember saying to myself, like, oh, my God, the radio has this so quickly. Like, I was just so because, like, everything I've been doing single wise has been listening to it off the Internet. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I heard a song on the Internet and on the radio on the same day, the first day it came out. It was kind of shocking to me. Like I was like, "Wow! Like the radio can move this fast!" Like it was just something that I had not experienced in a long time because I don't go to radio for the latest cutting edge music anymore. Like there's obviously like DJs and radio personalities out here that I that I respect between our NPR station and like the two big um, like alternative rock stations that are out here, but like I'm not tuning into their shows. I Henry Rollins does a show some night during the week. And if I'm when I catch it, I'm like, wow, he plays good music. Maybe I should listen to this more. Never do. You know? And so the only thing that I am listening to the radio now is you're right. It's, it's basically like NPR stuff. It's um, sports stuff. It's the games. It's the, the commentary on sports. But my days of the radio being my go-to for everything music I ha are long gone. It's They're just in the rear view. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's just, that's kind of just the way it works. <laughs> like, this is, yeah. this is, this is a trend that um, has started and continues um, along this path. Like, it, it, it hasn't changed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nuts, dude. And like, I, this t to me feels like the natural evolution because I don't miss the radio stuff at all. Like I don't get like nostalgic for those days at all. You know, like mm -hmm. if I am rocking out to a song on the radio, it's just because I hadn't heard it in a while and it, and it came on, you know? So like I, my relationship and like my, even my own listening habits and everything have really changed so much. And they almost became what I, I, I kind of never thought I'd get there. You know, I never thought I'd really be into talk radio and stuff like that, but you know, they're, you know, working all day. This is kind of the best way for you to get information, for you to hear discussions and commentary about it, especially with like the sports stuff, dude, like something breaks. Like I remember when the Deshaun Watson news broke or insert whatever breaking news about sports yeah. that broke while I'm at work. Like it's cool to know about that stuff. And for just for somebody to tell me it too, I don't have to go on my phone and look it up or anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just, 
I don't know. Like, can I? One of the, one of the things that one of the other reasons why I sort of am pushed away from the way that like I used to listen to radio is that I do not find almost any. I I don't find any DJ particularly entertaining. That's a good point. Dude. I, I really don't like. It's I don't know maybe it's because like now that I'm older like some of the, some of the tales and some of the gimmicks and stuff that they do mm-hmm. that they do on you know you know be it on WM isn't fucking Rover Scott still be on MMS right I believe yes he is he was yeah. there when I was um, back for the holidays yes right so you know so uh, DJ here in Cleveland uh, Rover what's his show Rover's Morning Glory or something like that um, it is. he was not I wouldn't call it a shock not a shock jock. Um, I mean, there's only been a few, you know, there's only a few guys that get that title, um, mm-hmm. but certainly tried to push the, you know, the boundaries of good taste in a show. And like when I was like 17, okay, that's like pretty funny. Now that I'm now 20 years later, I'm just like, it's not really funny anymore. You guys like, you guys like are fucking old, weird windbags. Oh my God, dude. I'm so glad you brought that up because when, when we were in high school and that show first dropped when 92 changed their format to be extreme radio. I remember thinking that, that Rover was awesome. I thought that this was like the coolest fucking thing ever. Okay. Like, and all the, the when they did Dare Dieter, all these like, you know, kind of personalities that they brought onto the show throughout, like, you know, our younger years and everything in the show's younger years, I was kind of wrapped up in this stuff. And then like, I started working, I had this job like in the morning and stuff. And I became more removed from like the morning radio stuff but when I got a different job and I was in the car, like kind of running around to different buildings in the morning, I got exposure to Rover and I was like, wow, like this is still on. They're still doing Dare Dieter. And then when I moved and listened to Rover for the first time in, in, in years when I was back home for the holidays, dude, like they almost like went back to like when the years in our 20s, like there were people on the show that weren't there when like when I was like right before I had moved out to LA. Yeah. Um, they're still doing the whole like douchey can't pronounce anything joke. Uh, like, right. The, You're the making one... fun of like a 49 year old mother. Yeah. <laughs> it's I know. like, it's, yeah. it's not really funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, dude, it is so not. And like, all these shticks were the same. Like Jeffrey's an idiot and he doesn't have any money and dumb is heavy and he doesn't have any money and Dieter's ripped and he doesn't have any money. So it's like all the same fucking thing over and over again. And then what really gets me is that in California, like having experience, having experienced some other market radio programs some non Cleveland radio. It's the same fucking thing out here. It is literally the same goddamn thing. They have something called the Woody show, which like it's, it's not a shock jockey in terms of like, they don't, they never did like dare Dieter, at least to, to my knowledge, they didn't have all these like stupid challenges, but like, you know, it's the more knowledgeable host. It's a couple of co-hosts that like are exactly like chocolate Charlie and everything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they sound like the dirtiest people in the world, but they're adorable and they have all these weird habits that they talk about and stuff. And it's, it's the exact same thing out here. So like if I'm driving to my office, I'm now listening to more of the NPR stuff and maybe even some music every now and then, because I will tell you like as, as informative as NPR can be. And believe me, I, I know that we have to stay aware of things that are going on in the world. But I will tell you sometimes, dude, that just, man, like, you know, you get through the political stuff, 
there's economic stuff. And then, Hey, by the way, we got quakes, we got, there's just a lot of shit going on. And like, I just kind of, I tune it out maybe Mm -hmm. one, every four drives or something. I'm just like, I'm going to start off with a little positivity today. Right. Right. (laughs) So like, and, um, so with all the different ways that we can get music, you know, streaming, satellite radio, physical media, the physical media, what do you think, um, tester, terrestrial radio the terrestrial radio industry will look like you know in the or sound like in the future Uh, the same um the same it's the same um it's not changing i i I mean we're talking in a i mean the future if we're talking the immediate future 20 20 30 40 years it's not changing if you want to talk a couple hundred possibly but basically um radio is still the most effective way to reach anyone that you want to reach um in here i got i have some stats here um so 92 percent of americans listen to am fm radio over the airwaves airwaves which is more than tv viewership more than pc viewership more than smartphone more than tablet use um 245 million americans listen to the radio each month um in and and it's one of the few shouldn't say one of the few but it's one of the faster growing mediums in terms of um, in terms of minority uh, users as well, or listeners, I guess, in this case. So um, there's nothing changing about radio at all. Um, and yeah. working in radio, I can tell you that I have more clients and I'm more, I'm busier than I've ever been. Like nothing's changing. Yeah. You know something like that is one thing I've always been interested in because when I was in school and people were, you know, when I was going to CSU and stuff, like I was in like the not there were there were you were kind of sort of able to stream certain things but it definitely wasn't as big as what it was today like spotify was like you you had like the, it was just the thing you logged on to and you play and it's like pandora but with albums and stuff back then and um one of my advertising professors was like gung-ho on radio stuff and he even said the statistic that like you know there's like a significant portion of the population that listens to it like every day in some capacity Mm -hmm. some way shape or form and like the um the the way of getting your message out there and stuff like it is it's very cost efficient at times like you know obviously advertising is expensive all the time but like I would have to think that like doing your radio stuff production wise is going to be a lot cheaper than let's say like a television commercial and everything. Mm -hmm. And you may be able to get a little bit more bang for your buck on that advertising too, because the way that the ad may run during the day, whereas a TV commercial, who in the hell knows, I think it'd be buried like at two 30 AM home shopping network time or something like that, you know? So I think with like, you know, with the same amount of money, you could go a little bit farther in terms of your dollar as far as yeah. the the, ra- the radio goes and everything. Well, in, like, in, in radio, I can tell you um, a lot of these, it, like, I won't, I won't, I'm not really sure how much I can actually, probably should have read my NDA um, when I signed it at some <laughs> point in time, but I, I won't, so I won't get too far into it. But basically, radio also works um, a lot more on barter than TV mm-hmm. does. So it actually might cost you nothing to run commercials and incorporate certain... Um, certain technologies and all kinds of stuff. It might actually cost you nothing other than airtime. Oh, I, I could believe that. Definitely, dude. I could totally believe that. And like my, not like specifically to what you were saying, but my professor was talking about how these 
with little negotiation, like minimal negotiation, he would, um, you know, like, let's just say, for example, that like a station maybe forgot to run an ad that he paid for with a, like a phone call. The radio station was like, was like, yeah, like, we're sorry. And we're going to like really work with you and everything like that. And like these people in the radio, like on that side of the, the radio, like selling stuff and selling the ads, he told me that he was able to just get way more, like way more on like agreements on barter stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he was really able to like stretch the money that the company's money that he was working for on this particular campaign and everything yeah, for sure. I believe it. Yeah, definitely. Like, so obviously like without getting into any specifics, like do you notice a lot of like newer stations popping up like at all? Or is it just like a newer, like a new client for you? Maybe not a new station, but. It... Um, no, I mean, that, that's like, I, I mean, it, it's hard to like, it's hard to tell exactly if that necessarily means that like, I mean, I know that we're busy. Like we, we, um, last year we signed, um, ADI heart stations, um, this 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 i'm pretty sure i can say that out loud that's not a big deal um uh, and like this year we're we're working with some other media uh media companies to sign like i mean like the way that and you probably know this like the way that like radio station well any any kind of entertainment network works um you have like it's not like just one station you get like fucking you know mm-hmm. iheart controls like like a thousand um so like they're you know they're all on the same string basically so it, it's probably more. Um, it's probably more that um, as these bigger companies, be it iHeart or like Bonneville Media or Entercom or someone, probably as they're buying up more stations, they're they're make they're pushing more of their stations to be more, um, you know, technologically advanced. Like they're okay. you know, like more stations are are going completely you're not completely online, but having a streaming component. More stations are using different technology to like to reach reach people when they haven't in the past. I think that's what what's happening. Okay. Cause like that makes a lot of sense to me because like I, when I was living in Cleveland, I don't, I don't have much experience with it out here, but like when I was living in Cleveland, there were, there wasn't really like any new station. Like there was always just like something else got bought up and changed formats or whatever. That's, but that's they usually never, what it does. Cause it, you also have like limited, um, you also have like limited licenses to broadcast. Um, yeah. much in the same yeah. way that like there's a fixed amount of liquor licenses in Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's like a fixed amount. It's just like, it's hard to get a broadcasting license to like, and it's basically, it's really hard to start a radio station from scratch is like the point. Yeah. So it's, it's much easier to buy one and just flip a format. Yeah, I dude, I could totally believe that. I, there's a station that comes to my mind that it was a very, very short-lived thing. I'd never heard of the station before, and it was a lower dial station in Cleveland. They were doing like alternative rock and you know maybe some mm-hmm. more like underground rock stuff. Yeah, it lasted like three months, <laughs> like three, four mm-hmm. months at that. So yeah, I, I can understand. I can only imagine how difficult it actually is, and then let alone survive in the the cutthroat uh, entertainment market. Right. That any market is right. in the United States. Right. So, so I'll, I'll, let me let me just real quickly, I'll just like expand on, on your question just a little bit. It's going to look the same. Like terrestrial, believe me, it's real easy. It, it's harder to, it's easy to spend literally $5 on a radio and mm-hmm. then you have free radio versus yeah. getting into the stream. You know, you have, if you want to stream something and you have to buy a device, potentially buy, um, you know, subscriptions and serve, you know, whatever else. Um, so like the ease of radio will always be there. Same, you know, putting it in your car, like it's, it's, you know, radio has this inherent advantage that every car comes with it. 
um, mm-hmm. over you know over stream you know over you know satellite radio is becoming more common in cars, but yeah. it, it, terrestrial radio will always be king in that regard. But it, but you are going to see the the, <laughs> the way streaming is going to be shaped is guess who has the money and the ability to move more more easily over to streaming. All these, all these fucking radio stations and all their, all their parent mm-hmm. companies are, are they're, they're going to be at some point in time. Again, I, I think you're looking more like a, like a hundred years out before we don't have any, or I shouldn't say we don't have any radio, but we're always going to have radio for something because it'll always be reliable. But um, I think you're a hundred years out before like we're at a point where s- streaming isn't even like a word anymore, you know, because mm-hmm. that's everything's going to be quote unquote streaming. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying, dude. I can, I can see that happening. Like, you're right. Not in the immediate future, but like somewhere down the road and stuff like that. You know, and who knows, like what, uh, what else will be on the radio waves at that time too? You know, so kind of the future with this kind of stuff is like is a big like who the hell knows to me. You know, because it's mm-hmm. just um, it's yeah. such, such a crazy industry and there's so many moving parts and honestly, like the way things are like 20 years from now, somebody could invent something that just changes it all over again, you know, to yeah, God sure. really knows what, what that would be. But so like what, um, so last thing with the, the, the radio uh, set of questions here, like, do you have a, a favorite, like of all time Cleveland radio station? No, I, 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 I don't have nostalgia for radio stations. And I think part of it now is sort of the, um, you know, the industry that I work in, that's part of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, knowing how, like, especially now, Man, these stations are the programming almost gets done for them now. Yeah, um, right, uh, it, it really does. Like especially, especially at some of these, like um, especially some of these bigger cities, it's basically programmed on an algorithm. But um, no, I, I just don't have I don't have that kind of nostalgia. Um, I, like I'll, I'll I will always remember when one hundred seven nine the end flipped formats, and they played the end of the world as we know it for like a week straight. Yes, they did. I remember, I remember the last day of them doing it, and it was no joke. Like the end of the song, no little identifier. Nope. Just end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Then right away into the drum beat. It was yep. it was fucking nuts, man. Over and over. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe it wasn't a week, but I mean, it was literally like three or four straight it was days. The, the, no, it was longer like, than that. Was, oh, it was longer than yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah, I just I remember dropping in on like the last day of yeah. it or whatever. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. But but other, but otherwise, I just I don't care. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. not that big of a deal. Yeah. No. Like I um for for me like there's no like there's no there's nothing that exists in like its current format that I get nostalgia for. There's no there's no radio personalities that have been around since I was younger, you know, to, to give me that nostalgia rush or Mm. whatever and stuff like that. I mean, the only person that like the only like consistent radio personalities that we've had, like, you know, would be like Lanigan, you know, like, uh, and he might not even be on the radio now. Like, I I don't, I don't think he's been on the radio for a while. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. He's not, it's a Mark Nolan got took over the show. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hate Triv. I'm not a wasn't a Triv fan. Yeah, at well, all. he's like, dead, not, so we don't have to worry about him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, like he would have been a long one. I Rush Limbaugh has died, but I never listened to him either. Howard Stern's on satellite. I don't have satellite, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I maybe heard like little snippets of the show growing up. But so like, I don't have any like real connection, like or any like real reason to get nostalgia for for, for any of it. You know, I most recently like the 
just I guess like the most recent like kind of conversation that I had about old radio was explaining to Jess that 92.3 um, wasn't always sports talk and kind of the evolution mm-hmm. of 92.3. And like um, when I was a kid, 92.3, when it was Jam and 92, their uh, DJs would come to my middle school and like do our dances and shit like that. So like Action Jackson came out for one. Another DJ who's escaping me right now came out for one. And like, and that was like really fucking cool and everything like that. When you were younger, like the guy from the radio is here in your, in your middle school gym spinning songs and stuff. And like the cool thing that about 92.3 back in the day, and this is like one thing that like, I don't think people today will ever be able to like wrap their heads around is like, it was like one of the only stations out there where you were able to hear like, like salt and Peppa, Coolio, yeah. the Smashing Pumpkins, Alice in Chains, like, because that was top 40 back then, you know, now right. like a top 40 station is, it's a world of difference. Oh, it's, and, it's, it's it, the top 40 station now is as I, I, as I sit there and program them. Um, it's, I, I mean, you're, you, I'd be shocked if anyone not named, um, not named Bieber, not named Cardi B, not named, um, Doja Cat, not named, <laughs> um, the weekend was on the top 40 list. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I know. Like, the everything about that, the, the, the artist and the variety of it is so different because like there's not really much variety now. But back then you got like really real the variety of genres mm-hmm. and stuff like that on these top 40 stations. And like for me, to, not to mention like a lot of younger people wouldn't know who some of these people are. But just the, the fact that I was able to like explain that and uh, those artists like where you went like so both sides of the spectrum here between rap and like early nineties alternative. It's just like, you're never going to get that like anywhere nowadays. Mm. Like such Mm-mm. a concept is just not existent. Last we'll move on here, but last little like, um, insider radio info, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. one of the guys I work with, he used to work at a notable rock station here in Cleveland. And that's, I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, these motherfuckers apparently have the worst hygiene. Yeah, Top to I bottom. Believe- like every everyone who works and he says it's like most radio stations are like this. Like most of the most of the most of the creatives, if you will, you know, the, the you know the DJs or whatever, the or the I shouldn't say just the DJs, but like the people that actually have like shows and things. Um mm-hmm. and a, a good lot of the program managers are fucking disgusting. Yeah, I believe that. I to- there's been some description on rover of his program guys and some of these other shows about some program guys and one in particular it doesn't sound like uh, proper hygiene is a common theme at all amongst those people that's fucking cra- and you're jammed in a room with them for yeah hours at a time oh dude i know and like it's the whole thought of it just i can feel grimy just by like hearing those words because I, I i i'm just imagining this situation in my mind and i don't think i'm wrong in any way shape or form the mm-hmm. image that's coming to my mind mm-hmm. so <laughs> nice nice well sorry for everybody out there who's working with all the uh all the smellies that's for sure but seriously yeah. Yeah, I know, right? So, okay, we're going to keep moving on here. So throughout the course of our lives, we've seen albums and singles released on different forms of physical media. What place do you think physical copies of albums and singles will have in the marketplace going forward? This is a really interesting question because I think we have we have almost arrived there. Um, I'm saying the same thing. You and I are going to be right on the same page. Yeah, I, it's yeah. almost arrived there completely. We're like... 
it's almost it's almost like you're buying a piece of memorabilia that like mm-hmm. it's in the same way that like um you know like you know what I, I was at this whatever concert back in 1999 I want to I want to buy that poster if I can find it it's gonna be the same fucking thing with albums like you just sort of want it almost as like a piece of memorabilia I mean obviously you can if you have a CD player um like then you can you you can actually like physically you know you can physically listen to it. Um, but I, but even then I think that you would want, if you wanted to go that route, um, and, and you are sort of looking at it as memorabilia as well, then I, I, I would imagine that you would go for the vinyl anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's making a, that's made a, a decent comeback, uh, in terms of physical media, but like yeah. it's, it's basically the same as buying like a, like a, a concert poster or tickets or framing the tickets you had from your first concert. It's almost going to be that same kind of purchase. Yeah, dude. Yes, you and I were uh, we're on the same wavelength here. This is exactly like the direction that I was going to go with this. I'm going to take it like one just to add on to it here in a little bit. But like, that's exactly what it is like. And with everything being like, it's not like we have access to like, every single piece of memorabilia that's ever been created. But with the terms of the internet, it is very easy to locate a lot of stuff. So if like, so if you are searching for a physical copy of something, there's a pretty good chance you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. And like, if, if you want to get into like the specific vinyl pressings and all that, that is a whole other topic of debate that I'm, I'm learning more about um, as the days go on in terms of collecting and pricing and all that stuff. But like, if you, you know, you are, you are basically, that's like what you're doing. You're like, you're buying not just something to like, listen to if even if you do listen to it, I have a bunch of records that I haven't played yet, mm-hmm. but um, you're almost buying not just, not just something that you could experience the music with, but you're buying like a display piece. You're buying a conversation piece. Mm-hmm. You're definitely not buying something that um, you're going to take out of a case right away and then put into a giant binder. Like those days are done. Yeah. And I've noticed that like, and even myself included, because I, I still buy physical media quite often, actually probably more than I should. But um, like, I noticed that uh, I, I take better care of the stuff. You know, there's no, like there seriously like is no more mishandling CDs in any way, shape or form. And I have, bought cds in the last like two years believe it or not i found a place for it so um like everybody like seems to be taking better care of their stuff and these these physical medias are now more like like relics and things that we could talk about and experience like more than like just via the the record and stuff via the the listening to it and everything you know Mm -hmm. so where i wanted to add on to that is and where i also think we're almost there is in terms of where this stuff is going to be sold. Now, I have been in one Best Buy in the last year and a half, maybe two. Their CD section is like non-existent. And I went to the one that was on Brook Park Road, right on Ridge and Brook Park. If they have a CD area in there, it is, it's like three rows stuffed way in the back. And that is that area is only going to get smaller that mm-hmm. you could buy vinyl at Best Buy, but I don't, I, for all I know, I'm sure there's a big major retailer that sold 125,000 of the 188,000 copies of Harry's house that was sold in the last week or so. But I, I just, 
it's not like a common thing amongst like vinyl people to like, Hey, I'm going to go to Walmart and buy this record. You know, it's just, it's not like something that's in the vinyl culture. Mm. So these products themselves are, they're working their way into what I feel is going to be their final homes of these little record stores, small independent businesses, resale, resale shops, like the, the exchange. This is where physical media I think is going to, to, to like, ultimately kind of end up and even in the future maybe target still has even in 10 years maybe target has vinyl but they're not going to have like an overabundance of cds like they may have oh they're not going to have any cds or something i'm I'm going to tell you right now they're not going to have any cds in 10 years we um I, i i should have looked up the exact number but from 2000 to 2020 cd usage cd sales have dropped physical cd sales have dropped almost 98%. Yeah, it's a huge drop. Massive drop. I can't even think of anything else uh, recent or historic that that has has seen that kind of drop-off. Yeah, nothing. Nothing has seen a 98% drop-off in my lifetime. I I think Tamagotchis have a better drop-off percentage than that. And for all the the talk years ago about how Amazon was going to destroy the book, you know, the book industry... Uh, not not that they've ever gotten back to pre you know pre internet pre reader type sales, but like it never happened. Like mm-hmm. it, you can still go buy books everywhere. Oh yeah, and like book culture is this whole thing too, where like people love going to the store. They love you know going and looking through the different books. Mm-hmm reserving the book picking it up and all that stuff it's like with gamer culture like um i don't i'm assuming this is still a big thing where like you buy a new game and you go in and like return the game or exchange it or something like that and like that at one point part of gamer culture is like part of sitting down and gaming and stuff like that so i think that like these you know hardcore vinyl enthusiasts or most vinyl enthusiasts like the uh in the in time are just going to end up going to like these record stores and, and specialty shops because it's not going to be this, it's not going to be like a, a common practice for like these big retailers to, to carry that. And it's also not going to be something in the culture to like go to Walmart and buy the new Harry Styles record. You know, right. like the, the, the culture itself will kind of take pride in going to the record store and like supporting that business. Yeah. Now I will say, I will say one thing I'm kind of okay if a whole bunch of record stores like don't pop up all over the place, because out here, like I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like we can maybe use like one, maybe two record stores in LA, but like if record stores are going to pop up at the frequency that breweries have popped up throughout the course of the last like 20 years, then like there's going to be a lot of failed businesses. (laughs) Let me put it to you. Let me put it to you that way because the um, out here, and like even in like Cleveland and stuff, like Cleveland's only got like a handful of record stores. They're all awesome, but people have tried to come in and open a new store and have failed miserably. And it's happened like a couple of times, even in like the last like ten years or so. So I just like I kind of feel that like the stores that are already doing it kind of got on the ground floor. And like if somebody wants to buy a record store just buy a piece of an already existing one because it's better to kind of keep those brands around and these older, like kind of more historic and established record stores around than it is for me to go open up Adam's 
final. You know what I'm saying? Or, yes, exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. Or, alternate strategy, instead of opening one in Cleveland, go find a small town to open it in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the kind of stuff. More small towns, like, they need that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And there are small towns out there that um, have all those really awesome, like, old main streets where it's the brick buildings and stuff, you know, with, like, a lot of big space and it's really affordable because it's in an old, a smaller town and stuff. Those places need those culture injections for their youth and stuff like that because, you know, not everybody could drive to Cleveland all the time to get cool records, and people need that kind of stuff, like, close to them. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. There's There's a... In small town America, there is more than enough space for your 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 uh, a record store, an independent record store, um, you know your your curated uh, movie store, um, and 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 a legitimate sort of interesting bookstore. All those things can exist in a small town because they yeah. they probably don't have them otherwise. Dude, totally, totally. Like out here, there's um there's this area of Los Angeles called Pomona. It's outside of the city going East about, it's about an hour or so even without any traffic. Mm -hmm. And like this place has got it going on. It's just like a, it's, it's bigger, you know, I mean, because everything's bigger out here, but it's like smaller for LA standards. And like, that's what they have. They have one of the best record stores in Southern California that, that works with a concert venue next door to it. These people like book shows and stuff like that together. Um, there's a bookstore, there's a couple cool restaurants and like this thing like thrives, like people like go to this record store because it is so badass. Like I would drive out there. No, like if I had the time, I would drive out there. No problem. Like if I had two hours on a Saturday that are free, yeah, I'll go out there. Right. Right. Exactly. All right, dude. So last little uh, bit of um, questions here in this little section. Um, do you remember the last music video you watched? I literally couldn't. I mean, y- yes and no. I-, I think I know how you're how you're asking this question. And uh, sure, I've seen shit on YouTube recently. But in terms of like like flipping on the TV and seeing a music video, I literally could not tell you. Yeah, I haven't actively gone out of my way to watch a music video in so long in a really long time i I can't remember what i've actively tried to go and do they play at my gym like i i watched the dua lipa video not that long ago and stuff like that i'm like i you know need to know what she sounds like and everything but um it's not something that i'm actively like going out of my of my way to do anymore and like um, I, I will use this to segue into the next question, which is like, do you, would you say that like the music video is more or less popular today than it was when we were younger? Oh, it's more popular. Um, See, like, it's more popular. What are the five most popular videos on YouTube? It's probably music, food, people getting kicked in the balls or like accident videos and pets. It's music, 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 and music. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. They pets didn't even get and, in there. Wow. And by... <laughs> And by a fucking lot. Yeah. By a see, fucking like, lot. Yeah, like these numbers are through the roof on these videos and stuff like that. I mean, there's there's fucking videos like from 1994 of like Green Day and Nirvana that have gotten millions and millions of views and everything. And like when I look at the numbers, I am totally, totally seeing its popular the popularity of these things. My issue is is that. I don't know anybody else who like, not when I was younger that like watches videos, like no one has ever come up to me 
and said like, dude, have you seen the video for this? It is fucking awesome. It's been so long since anybody has said that. Mm -hmm. So like the numbers are reflecting an insane amount of of popularity. And like some, some of these like little like clips of videos and stuff like that, that I even saw today for songs that got released. Some of these videos look cool and they look cooler than they did when we were younger. But I just like, I just know nobody. I don't know anybody who's like a music video junkie. Like I I don't have conversations about them. And when I was younger, like I I couldn't tell you how many conversations I had about the, uh, my name is by Eminem video or the, the freaking Jeremy video from Pearl jam and stuff. Like I, I just, I don't have conversations about these anymore. I I think because, um, I think it's because like I, I've, you know, for, for as, for as online as I am as a human being, which is very online. I have never gotten into YouTube at all. Like, I, I really have. Yeah. I'm not one of the people that sits there and watches. There are people that, like, watch, just watch stuff on YouTube for, like, hours at a time. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that. Like, ever. I don't ever want to do that. Like, yeah. give me no, give me a funny video yeah. clip or whatever. Um, that's great. So, like, even though YouTube, um, Vimeo, whatever, those are, like, they're clearly getting, you know, they're clearly getting tons of views for their music videos that they have. It's also like, I, I do think there's just a big cultural divide. Um, whereas like it, it's, you know, like whereas our gener- our generation was significantly more likely to flip the channel and find the music videos we wanted to watch versus like sitting down at the computer doing it. Or mm-hmm. I guess you don't have to sit down at the computer and do it obviously. But I, I just don't think it's, I don't, I just think that it's a, the reason why you don't talk about it with other people is because I'm assuming you're not friends with too many 17 year olds. So you're, I hope, I hope only a couple, yeah. only the coolest ones, <laughs> only the cool ones from high school. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, since we're like, since there is just like a big, I, I think that there's a, there is a, not a significant, but there's a definitely noticeable sort of technology gap in terms of our entertainment with um, Gen Z and, and whatever, you know, and younger people. Like they are yeah. just much more adept at and more likely to find their entertainment on YouTube than we are. Yeah, that's got to be it, dude. Because like I don't, I don't know anybody that like I'm no one in my age bracket watches them. And like you and I are exactly the same. I I've never been one of those YouTube people either. No. I know people who can do that and get stuck down a YouTube hole. It's just never been me. No, nope. <laughs> just has not been. No, nope. um, that's why we're not in QAnon because we don't <laughs> right. use YouTube. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. We listen to podcasts about QAnon that let us know all the stupid shit that these people watch. Yep, so I don't even right. have to watch it. I, these people tell me about it. So. Exactly. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. So last question in this section is that um, during during our first attempted at recording, um, we briefly discussed Jack White as being very consistent, like in terms of the quality of the recordings, the material he puts out. Do you have another example of a musician or band who consistently releases solid material? I mean, I have several, and I'm sure that I'm missing out on on a ton more um, that are just like out of genre for me. But like, um, I've I don't think I've ever been I don't think I've ever been disappointed with a Trent Reznor slash Nine Inch Nails album. Um, certainly, you can you can say that one album doesn't measure up to you know be it um, right. you know just pick pick a, an album that he's made over the past thirty five years. Um, right. Certain ones don't measure up to certain other ones. But I've never, I've never gone, I've never like, I didn't listen to Ghosts and go like, oh man, what was, what happened here? Um, <laughs> it just, you know, it's just like, and actually I do like Ghosts, you know, I just, it's just one of those things like, mm-hmm. 
I've never been disappointed by the quality. Um, same yeah. with same with Eminem. Um, I, I feel like older Eminem certainly is different, but it, it doesn't feel like he's lazy. Um, you know, like whereas as some musicians get older, they get a little lazier. I, I don't get that laziness yeah. feel. Um, and then we could, you know, we get into like, uh, we can get into stuff like it feels like the weekend has kind of kind of found himself early on and really hasn't swayed too far from that lane. Um, mm-hmm. And why would you? It's worked out pretty fucking well for him. Right. Um, and same with like, even though I'm not like a huge fan of Drake exactly, guarantee you there is one song on every single one of his albums that I bop to, like that I yeah I get into. I'm like, all right, Drake, you yeah. you win. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I dude, I got you. I understand what you're saying all the way, man. There's people out there that no matter what they're putting out, there's at least one fucking banger on there. And I gotta tell you, like, I in my own way. I kind of believe that like if you are an uber successful musician, you're going to be able to create a couple of bangers that even I am going to be able mm-hmm. to gro- to groove to. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not for just seeing Harry Styles in concert, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of like afraid to like check out that new album that he's got cuz I have, I have a feeling that I'm going to take a couple of songs away from that that I might just I, be like, man. I, I heard hit. I I didn't the one the one time um so every now and then when I'm at work I actually tried. I, <clears throat> excuse me. I actually tried to listen to various clients' stations. Just yeah. sometimes they get. Sometimes I actually like need to get an idea. Like we'll just get complaints about certain certain the ways our the way our products working for them in a certain way. So I'll like sit down and actually listen to the radio station, and like I'll catch myself sometimes. I'm like, oh, that was a pretty good track. And like, who the fuck was that? I'm like, that was, that was Justin Bieber. Yeah. Like. Just mm-hmm. shocked that I was just I was kind of grooving to that song, and I'm just like, well, like, there you go. Like a Bieber's really popular for a reason. So <laughs> he sells he sells out places everywhere he goes. But now I understand why. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. You, if he got me with a song, then he's probably got a lot of people with the songs, and obviously he does. Yeah, he's gotten me with a couple of them. That's that is for fucking sure, man. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah, like I, I picked like you're right. There, there's an overabundance of ones that I could choose from. And you've listed out a lot of good ones there with nails and the weekend and everything, particularly with nails. He, Trent really does no wrong. Even how to destroy angels and yeah, some of his producing stuff. Even the new Halsey album is pretty goddamn good mm-hmm. compared to some of our other stuff. So I went with. This and I'm being totally hipster here. There is this band from Canada. They are a Canadian supergroup called the New Pornographers. Yeah, the new the New Pornographers are um, they're made up of it's like a five piece, but the three main people in the band are this guy named AC Newman, who is a solo artist and like he's played with some bands and stuff. Uh, Nico Case, the alt rock country star. And this other guy named Dan Bejar, who some people know as this guy named Destroyer. So like, he releases albums under the moniker mm-hmm. of Destroyer. I got to tell you, man, like it is almost like frustrating that these guys have never put out a bad album. And like I jumped into them in the middle. I got in around like 2006, 2007 with their album Challengers. They had four albums prior to this and they've done four albums after this. They all been. They are all fucking good. And like these are it is just like it's it's just basically like indie pop rock and stuff like that. You know, there's some it's not edgy in any way. Like it's it's actually very light. Sometimes it can get a little emotional. But these guys fucking kick. And like when I look over their discography and like when I say when I look at everything and I'm like, 
man, if Challengers is like their worst album and like I, my, whatever their worst album is will vary depending on whatever day you ask me. But I'm like, if Challengers or in the Morse code of the brake lights is their worst album, I'm like, that is a fucking career to like hang your goddamn hat on dude, because there are bands that will drop an amazing like first album, like this band, Yuck, Charlie Bliss. Like there's a lot of bands that drop an amazing first album. And then by album number two, they've already like lost the wind in their sails or just completely became like a different band. These guys had one format from the beginning. They have stuck with that format. They've maybe added onto it in terms of like electronica or maybe like a couple different instruments. But for the most part, it is still the same. It still rocks out. I think I've seen these guys like five times in concert. Each one just gets better than the last. And it's even cooler when you have the whole band there, where's Nico and Macy and Dan Bejar and stuff. Cause Dan Bejar and Nico rotate out of the band. And like, I've been fortunate enough to see them in their complete new pornographers lineup. And I love them. I will be continuing to listen to this band till the fucking day I die. Very nice. Very nice. I've, I've heard of them, but I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's not workout music in any way. It's just kind of good throw it on around the house mm-hmm. to have fun kind of music for sure. For sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very nice, dude. So let's move into our talk among us section. And this is our blind question section. We're each going to ask each other three questions each. We have no idea what they're going to be. And we'll have a discussion based off of those questions. So why don't you kick it off, dude? Well, I I will say this. You'll know two of my questions. I kept them in because I I felt like we had a good discussion on them last time. Yeah. Um, But I did change one. Um, So I'll I'll lead off with that one. Sweet. It actually relates back to um, it's kind of odd that you that we you know we talked about physical media sales. So this is sort of this is a question that as it came out of like when I was doing some research for this, it came out of that that stat that I told you about how um, you know there's a bit of like a ninety eight percent drop in CD sales um, mm-hmm. since two thousand. So Chema, who do you think the last artist is going to be that sells a million physical albums in a week? Oh God. Oh my God. And, and I asked um, this question because I think it's someone that's like popular now. Like you don't have to look that far down in the future. Yeah, that is a really good. Okay. So let's, it would be easier to kind of figure out who it's not going to be first. Okay. So I will tell you that pretty much any of the alternative acts that are even the bigger alternative acts are kind of out of the question. So mm. your Pearl jams, your radio heads, Foo Fighters, like I would probably like if Foo Fighters does it, it's because there's a lot of people going the Taylor Hawkins thing. They're getting a big like posthumous kind of bump, I guess. Yeah, I, but, I would I would kind of even be suspect in that, but I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, like I, like I'm I know I'm going on a I'm yeah, walking sure. a real thin line there, but like so I would say we're we're kind of out of the we're out of that, like it. it it's definitely not going to be Kanye West. Like, <laughs> no, G- no. Um, the bigger rappers out there, like Kendrick Lamar just released a new one. So I, I don't really think we're going to be in rap either, unless it is like a Jay-Z Beyonce compilate pairing album. It's like another one of those. Um, totally yeah, I can see that. But like, if I'm going to, you know, so I'm going to kind of rule out like hip hop stuff. So 
we're kind it's, it's obviously not going to be any classical it's not going to be any jazz like we're so we're now kind of moving into the direction of like pop stars and stuff so i'm going so just throwing out a couple names i would probably say that beyonce might be the person that does it because it's not going to be anybody that there won't be a debut or album out there that just immediately hooks anybody it's going to have to come mm-hmm. from an, an established person and i'm going to throw another kind of like hypothetical layer onto the whole thing and i'd have to say that if it, if it was beyonce which i i believe that it would be there would be some type of like shtick or hook that goes along with the album like like jay-z is a part of it or I don't. So Beyonce collaborated with the Foo Fighters, and it's like Beyonce Foo Fighters album. It's something. There's going to be some type of like hook to get people in. You know, it won't just be like the new Beyonce album. It'll be the new Beyonce album and this. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. I got you. I know exactly. Yeah, I, I yeah. I can see that Beyonce's a, a really good choice, and you're right. I think there's going to be have to there's going to have to be some kind of gimmick to it. Not a gimmick, but there's going to be like a like an add-on to it that that, that mm-hmm. made people that helped pique additional interest. Um, so so I, I Beyonce is a good choice. I, I would also think that if boy if um, I think Taylor Swift is an obvious one, but I I think what she needs to do is sort of fucking chill for a couple of years. Um, yeah. And and what I mean by that is like. I mean, good for her, like, re-recording her old music and stuff and that whole issue with um, Scooter Braun that she's going with, you know, the the master's mm-hmm. issue that she's going through right now with him. Um, that That's a whole different thing. But, like, she needs to sort of, like, not make a full album or even, even like, a, you know, some kind of, like, limited, limited releases or stuff for a while to yeah. sort of just build the anticipation of, like, a new album coming for her. Um, and, and then, you know, and then you... You pop, you know, you do some, uh, you know, some kind of, there's like a, a song that includes all of the, you know, includes, um, what's her face? Fucking, um, Katy Perry. It includes, yeah. um, who's the, the young chick that she's like good friends with? Uh, Olivia Rodrigo. Like you have like that one hit, you have that one guaranteed hit song that has like some past stars and some like up and coming present stars, if you will. And yeah. like, that would be the thing that drives it over a million. I could see this. Totally. Now, Taylor Swift is a very, very interesting choice, and I could not agree with you more on the idea of her going away, because Taylor Swift, like, has is been a you know very successful musician, has played sold out places all over the all over the goddamn world, but she's still sort of this punchline for a very, very old joke, and. With the whole thing with like, you know, the depression, the breaking up stuff and everything like she just hasn't really been able to like go away because as soon as this whole thing about her boyfriends and like the breakup songs, as soon as we maybe start to kind of like forget about all that, then there's like this crazy kind of controversy with her lawyers and stuff. And like she, she's totally in the right. Like I'm not even about to defend those other fucking people. And the fact that she's re-recording all her albums is badass. That is badass fucking shit. However, it's kept her in the goddamn news for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. And she's also had a couple like she's had a couple albums, I think, with like newer material somewhere in there, too. So she's just been around a lot. And 
I'm going to get into at a later um, point in time, this idea of just like audience exhaustion. And you could be the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the world. You could be the biggest fan of anybody in the world. At some point in time, you will just become exhausted oh, with yeah. their, their music. And she has been in this position where she's just always been around. She hasn't fucking gone away. So like people are just always on the mind. There's no real like desire or drive or need or hunger for any more Taylor Swift because she's always been around. So the idea of her going away, you know, for three, four or five years or whatever, you know, as far as like not dropping any new stuff or going on tour would do wonders for her career. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, you just it's fatigue. You just get fatigued mm-hmm. um, seeing these. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It, actors, um, you know, musicians, whatever, like. You just get, believe me, like, I, I can imagine for people who weren't Game of Thrones fans, mm-hmm. how awful it must have been to hear about it the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> Seriously, this yeah. must have been awful. Yeah, oh, dude, totally. It's got to be, like, Jess doesn't even like to show all that much. I can only imagine, like, what I put her through, like, as far <laughs> as talking about Game of Thrones goes and everything like that. So, yeah, definitely. And, like, when you don't, like... Let's hope House of Dragon is good because I still think they're maybe rushing into this a little bit. But, um, you know, if you go away for a little while, there's a chance that, like, you know, people kind of forget about some of the Taylor Swift jokes or forget about some of the annoying kind of cliches and things, you know, that are maybe like bug people about Taylor Swift. And the hardcore fans are always going to be there. But some of these people that are exhausted after a couple of years of not having her, might all of a sudden have this mm-hmm. desire to have some Taylor Swift stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'll give you, I'll give you one wild card. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, um, if Dolly Parton were to do like a, a, a fully new album with like, yeah, with different, you know, with the tail, you know, with a Taylor Swift, with a, um, you know, take your pick from like all the biggest, uh, you know, stars, you know, doing duets and stuff. I think right. because I think Dolly Parton is now has replaced Betty White as like America's sort of like sweet old lady, sweet old grandma. I think she's Mm -hmm. replaced it. And that would be sort of the thing that could possibly, um, you know, her, her final album, she's got to be mid seventies, late seventies, mid seventies. Um, that would be one of the things I think like as a wild card that could also, could also be the last album to get a million plus in a week. Yeah. That has got so much star, like her own star power, is enough to carry 500,000 yeah. of those without a doubt. You know, I mean, we're talking just the audience is already there. Mm-hmm. Then you throw in a Taylor Swift uh, debut or a duet of Kevin Parker from Tame Impala duet. Like you throw everybody on this whole thing, a wide variety oh, just, of music. Just take, take, the, take the top, you know, whoever the top male country music artist is um, yeah. and guarantee you like just that duet, guarantee you that that accounts for 100,000 right there. Of course. Yeah, that is that is actually a little bit more realistic than Taylor Swift, I, I think. It could <laughs> like, be, yeah, it could be. I mean, she'd yeah. have to want to do it, obviously. So. Right, right, right. Like, if that were, if that were to happen, that that's guaranteed. Yes, that, mm-hmm. that, that wild card right there would guarantee um, a million records in a week easily. <laughs> very, very nice. All right, dude. So I'm going to go with one of mine here. I'm just going to kind of go with an easy one to start off with. What do you think is the appropriate amount of singles to be released before the album comes out? Like songs off of that album. Ooh, that's a good question. 
Um, and let's let me throw in another thing here too. Let's say that um, the first single comes out like six months before the album. How many do you think should follow in that time? That's you know it's a good question because I feel like this kind of this kind of takes me back to the days when um, when you'd have like off of a single album like four singles like mm-hmm. chart in the top like you know chart in the top forty, which like that really doesn't happen that often anymore. Um, I shouldn't say it doesn't happen that often anymore, but it, it is. Def- it certainly is more rare than it used to be. Um, right. But man, I, I think I think if, so. We're talking a six month window. Right. To me, I think you got a you you are maximum three, mm-hmm. and you'd better hope that you have like an additional two to three songs on that album that you know are like going to be hits, because yeah. it, it is it is one of those cases like. If you if you pop your three best songs out of like let's just say you have like ten, if you pop your three best songs and the other seven are they're fine you know they're they're fine, um, and people already have kind of listened to those top three to death. The album is just not that it's not gonna you know you can still fool people into buying it. Believe me, I bought albums that have totally been fooled into buying, um, but like word is gonna get around quickly. That yeah, this album isn't that good, and so you may you maybe you get like a a nice three three day uh, sales window, and then it's just gonna fucking die after that. So three, three is yeah. my answer. Three is the sweet spot number for me too. And you basically took what I was gonna say about the whole thing about having songs that match the quality of those three. Like the reason that I bring this up, and this is a hot little topic for me, is because. Recently, like, so the month of May was the daddiest rock month of them all. Okay. We had new releases from Arcade Fire, Wilco, and um, this band called The Smile, which is a side project of Radiohead. It's Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, and one other guy whose name is escaping me. The Smile, we had knowledge of this Smile album for a while. I, I, I would say, like, the idea of these guys making this album was probably around for about a year. They released a single, I would say, six, maybe seven months before the album came out, and some coronavirus stuff kind of played a factor into the recording and the release of this album. The album came out in the beginning of May, and they released six singles on a 13 song album. So more than half of the album was already out there. And the thing that really gets me about this the most is the first single is of course the best fucking song on the album. Mm -hmm. And the first single kind of gave like Radiohead fans and people who like appreciate their, their music kind of gave us some hope that this smile project would maybe take Radiohead back or Tom York, maybe back to like rock. And cause the first single was rocking. It was a distorted fucking guitar riff. It's easy. The loudest song that Radiohead has released in God knows how long. So we're all thinking that it's going to be something like that, but it, they kind of threw us for some curveballs. And it turns out that it's like the album's really great. No joke. It's a contender for album of the year easily. But the fact that I got to hear half of it, before it came out and like what wasn't released as a single, they probably have like out of, so the six songs got released. There's seven other songs. I would say three of them are really good, but like four of them are just kind of like, okay, so this is kind of like what we're used to with Tom. Murray. It just kind of sounds like 
you know, like Radiohead songs, basically. And I got this thing about like side projects, especially Tom York's side projects, because he's he did this project called Adams for Peace, which had Flea in it from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You would never know. Like, there's not one slap bass note on the whole fucking album. It's like, why even have Flea at that point? I could have played the bass on that album. Mm. So like, um, when I hear stuff in the beginning that sounds different and awesome, I get really like excited about it. I get like excited about it, like in a way that I don't usually get excited about like music because I'm a big Radiohead fan. And then like, we just kind of like work ourselves back into like some of the songs that could have just easily been Radiohead songs. So it's like this whole thing where I don't know if, and I'm, at least I'm going to assume that hearing less of the album would maybe shut the doors on some of the criticism because I've been listening, you know, like I, I just will more opportunity for me to be surprised than, okay, I've already heard half of the album. And so it all basically comes down to these seven songs now, you know, I'm like, it seems like I'm cutting the amount of, um, well, cause, because it is, because like, I've already heard it. So like, I just don't have that as much to experience new and it kind of like robs me of the experience of listening to an album for the first time. Yeah, I, I yes, exactly. It's it's sort of it is we get the exact same thing when you're when you like in the way that um certain action movies like or comedies whatever all the best jokes are in the trailer. Yeah. Or yeah. or the you know the big action part of the big action sequences in the trailer. And then the, we got to release like fucking eight trailers. Um mm-hmm. we we literally could apply this to movies. Um like why does there have to be two teasers and then three final trailers? Like, right. I, just, I need one. Yeah. I really need yeah. one. That's it. Um, it. It's the same thing. Like, at some point in time, like, you're just, you've shown me so much, or, you know, in this case, you've let me listen to so much. I, I'm, I'm just like, you're not going to surprise me with anything, probably. And right. I, I kind of, I, not, that, not that every album has to be this way, but I do kind of enjoy, especially from, like, established artists, I kind of... I wouldn't mind being surprised every now and then as opposed to like, oh, here's everything. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The element of surprise would be great. And Radiohead throughout the course of their career has dropped two albums out of nowhere. And one of them is could easily be like a top three album of theirs. So I almost think that they should have never released any singles and just dropped the album on us. <laughs> like that's, I feel that's how they should have done this because when you're releasing that many songs, I, it's like, even if I like them and like I said, like I, I like a lot of these songs, it just robs me the experience of, a, of experiencing a whole album for the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, dude. So what is your next question? All right. So we've, we've done this one before, but I want to have this conversation again uh, because I just thought it was really interesting. So it's about the, uh, we had it before about the next wave of stars, like the younger, mm-hmm. the people that are coming up that are much younger than us right now. Um, so like every every time period in terms of like modern pop culture and modern music. So like from the '60s onwards, basically, let's call it. Um, there's all these generations of musicians have had like a certain kind of calling card. Um, so like in musicians from the '60s and '70s, they weren't just musicians; they were also people that really helped define culture in terms of you know civil rights, um, you know women's rights. Uh, like there were music was at the forefront, you know, anti-war stuff, anti-Vietnam stuff, that kind of stuff. Music musicians were really at the forefront of a lot of that. You get to the 1980s, and that's when we really have our first sort of. I mean, we've we've always had pop stars, 
but really where pop stars kind of transcend music and they're full-blown celebrities. When you think of Michael Jackson, Madonna, um, you know, those kind of people who are like, they're a step above even like famous people. Like, they, it, like mm-hmm. we have people who are, you know, walking, talking, um, money-making gods, basically. And then we get to like the 19, you know, we get to the 1990s and even and into the early 2000s is when hip hop culture really becomes like mainstream music culture. Um, you know, it's things, a lot of things change in how music gets produced, but also the way that um, pop culture at large reflects what's going on in music culture. So um, hip hop slang, hip hop dress becomes much more, much more mainstream than it ever did previously. Um, you know, we've, we've dropped the, we've dropped like the NWA um, notorious BIG kind of stuff. And it's, it's definitely much more accessible to a lot of people at this point in time. So mm-hmm. what is the calling card of these young artists now that are, you know, they are like, you know, 19, 20 years old or whatever. Like what is their sort of calling card beyond music? Okay. We talked about this before. Let's get right into it. It's business. It's branding. It's like yeah. their image. This is like a whole other class of performers slash like business people that are more conscientious of their image and what they're putting themselves out there, what they're getting behind than we've like ever seen like previously Mm -hmm. and stuff. And like a lot of these people could could easily become brand ambassadors before they even blow up. A lot of them are. A lot of them yeah. are already. They, oh, there's a term totally. for them. They're, they're microfluencers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow, it's a new word too. Yeah, I thought I knew that one before. It turns out I did not. Yeah, learning something new today. So like, yeah, all these people and stuff like that are, you know, making the most out of themselves in ways that like we just haven't seen yet. You know, and believe me, dude, like there's no – musicians and entertain people in entertainment are no stranger to – the idea of doing like an endorsement or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right. But like, it's just not done on like the level that it is today. Like it seems like before, like if people are really like endorsing stuff, it's like just for like the money and everything. And you're maybe like an ah commercial or something that gets lost in like the, in the sands of time and everything. Mm -hmm. But out with these newer people and stuff, like they could easily become the, the face of a certain product and stuff like where they're doing a lot of different advertisements, a lot of different um, social media posts and things like that. You know, they could have a higher stature in certain organizations than the musicians of the past. And like, let's not even forget about like, you know, some of these companies, um, actually probably a lot of these companies are maybe newer, like in terms of like maybe some food and like beauty products and Mm -hmm. stuff like health drinks and everything like that, maybe certain fashion. So like you're looking at people that are getting stock options that are getting all kinds of like money on the back end and lucrative kind of business deals. And this was just not how it was done in the past. Like, and what we're seeing here is just like extremely interesting because I mean, like, dude, like, you know, like I'm, we're in our late thirties here and stuff. And there are kids that are like 15 and 16 that are just pulling in fucking dough in like ways that we never saw when we were younger. Like there was always successful younger kids, but it's mostly actors or mostly like maybe like specific personalities that are geared towards children's programming and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, dude, like there are 
social media music people on Instagram and YouTube and stuff right now that are rolling in like nineties Macaulay Culkin dollars for, for not doing like a movie. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's this weird, not weird. Um, it's this almost like they almost have this like innate ability already to like understand how to, how to be, um, not more than just more than just a celebrity, more than just a musician. They already know how to be a brand, and mm-hmm. they also know how to where they need to align themselves much much more easily. Whereas, like, you know, like what did what did Michael Jackson speak out on in the eighties? Anything in particular? No, I can't remember. Yeah, Nothing. if he did, I have no idea. <laughs> Nothing because he was he wasn't expected to, um, and the celebrities then weren't expected to. And now, if you are if you are a celebrity, like because of the, the the platform you have on social media, you're kind of expected to take a position. Like it's mm-hmm. it's almost weird if you don't, you know. Especially, right. if, I should say, if you're a younger celebrity, like they want you to take a position. Um, it's it's kind of weird if you don't. Like, I mean, we've seen um, this isn't quite the same thing, but to use it as an example, um, we've seen The Rock take a very soft political position. That yeah maybe at the slightest maybe has the slightest left tilt to it mm-hmm. but not really right. um because he doesn't want to offend anyone because he's um his his type of celebrity is much more a traditional type of celebrity um mm-hmm. where it's it, you know it's i'm going to you know i'm going to pop up in tv shows and movies and everything i'm i'm going to be i'm going to i'm a celebrity i got to be out there in front of everyone whereas um whereas now you you have to have a position but you're also, you know, the, the, the brand, the, the, the brand and the person are one and the same. So it's almost expected that these people have to take positions now. But at the same time, they're very savvy about how they do it. They're, right. Because they've been watching other people do it, you know, forever. <laughs> and they've been doing it forever at this point in time, too. It's, they, they are so well-versed already in how to make themselves and how to make themselves a product without... You know, without it, without it having having the same sort of trappings as like, you know how how actors used to go to Japan to make commercials because they didn't mm-hmm. want to be seen in commercials in the U.S. They don't fucking care. Right? They know how to right. make themselves into a commercial when they're fucking seventeen years old. Yeah, dude. Now you want to do that kind of stuff. Like John Cena and Brie Larson are doing commercials that yep. would never happen in the '90s with nope. actors of that caliber and stuff. Like total fucking Lee. And like to go back to what you were saying about The Rock and stuff, like. That is like if you're an ultra celebrity, he took the political position how you should do it. It was a very simple post that he made on Instagram. I don't remember the, the specific phrasing and stuff, but mm. it was just something like, as The Rock, I am voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because I believe in their vision or something like one or two like sentences that were very, very simple. There wasn't any like, fuck you, mega, any of that kind of stuff. Oh no, there was (laughs) not not from him, not from him, but like all all of this, there is a, he definitely riled up a a portion of his fan base, but again, like, and then it just passed. (laughs) So yeah, right. Yeah. So, so like, yeah, I believe I could totally imagine like elements of his fan base getting riled up. And also like there are celebrities out there that, did take the fuck you mega position and oh, stuff yeah. like that. But like the rock did his announcement of voting for Joe Biden in this way where it was literally like off of the, you know, I, I'm sure once this little like spat of frustration from, from the right wore off, 
but I'm sure it wore off in like next to no time because it's the rock. You know, and I mm. guarantee you there's probably people out there that still hate them as there are people out there that are mad at anything that didn't vote for uh, Trump and stuff like that in 2020. But um, I feel that like when you are like this guy, like the rock and you do this in a way that I, I feel was the only real way you could do something like that. It's just easy. It's we're on to the next thing. Like I, I was looking at his uh, cheat meal video, pictures and videos like three days later and almost like until you had actually mentioned that it had kind of just slipped my mm. mind entirely. Yeah. And, and sort of, and just real quickly, um, I don't want to beat this horse anymore, but look at how compared to compared to how fast, um, you know, just to use Olivia Rodrigo again, like she's, she has to have like fucking 50 million social media followers, um, mm-hmm. or some, some absurd number. Um, what she like 22 years old has like some, I, I'll look it up, but like, look at how long it took the rock to get to this point and look at how long it's taken Olivia Rodrigo. Two years. I know, dude, she, I, she maybe has one album out or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like somebody that grinded like Katy Perry at least was on like the warp tour and stuff like that. But like Olivia Rodrigo, like just kind of came out of nowhere. And like, it's like, wow, dude, like you, you have as much success as somebody like the rock who was like a football. She's 19. was born in 2003. Jesus Christ. Um, but this, for somebody like the rock, who's grinded it out, put in the effort, everybody knows who he is, but it took him, years and it took her like you know like probably like days or almost weeks in right. comparison so in in fairness in fairness the rock has way more <laughs> oh, does way more but okay um 220 million for the rock but mm-hmm. olivia rodrigo in two years has amassed 26 million followers okay yeah big A difference there. but that's still that's a that's a lot of million people for um for two years worth of time or whatever. Yep, yep, exactly. It's it, they're just it's just so it's just so bizarre that these that these I mean literal kids are like almost finished products. You know it, now it's just a matter of finding the ones with the talent. If you're you know one of these agencies, one of these record labels, it's just a matter or you know for that matter actors and anything else. It's just a matter of finding one that, where the talent matches up with the you know, with the brand, with the entrepreneur. Right. Right. And like, yeah, so she's got one full length album called sour, which came out in 2021. Yeah. It came out last uh, year. We're looking, yeah. Looking at close to a million in sales, like just probably crossing the, crossing the 900,000 mark. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, but I mean, she's got like, there's singles, there's high school musical stuff. There's like appearances and like for somebody to blow up that way is just, like that's like fucking surprising, but also sort of not surprising. Just the, like the way that the market and the way mm-hmm. everything is today. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just don't be. I'm not going to be shocked if in by the time she's 25, not that she'll ever be done with music, but she's going to have her own cooking show, her own, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, makeup line, whatever. Like oh, yeah. that's going to. I mean, look how much more money Rihanna makes off of Fenty than she's ever made off of music. Yeah, that's right. Oh God, all those secondary business ventures and stuff. And Olivia Rodrigo is going to capture, because I know she's kind of like pop punky to a certain degree. Kind like of, I yeah. remember one of her songs sounding like that. She is going to pick up and almost like pick up where like Hot Topic left off. And she's going to 
popularize all new sorts of elements of like punk fashion and colors and stuff like that. And she'll make a billion dollars. Yep. Like by the time, by the time she's 30, she might have 2 billion. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I would gladly take like that a hundred thousand of that, maybe 50,000. Like yeah, sure. Seriously. That's I all I'm asking look, for. I wouldn't even know what to do with a billion dollars. <laughs> But uh, all right. So my next question for you is going to be in the year 2022, are you for or against artists releasing double albums? Um, oh man, um, I, I'm going to say against. Me too. And I'm against. I, I'm going to say against. And it's because I, I feel like the double album kind of it kind of goes back to um it kind of goes back to one of those things it's like such a, it was when we were younger it was such a unique sort of um f- physically it was like a unique item to have you know to yeah. have have a double disc or whatever that was like a unique item to have um and i, I think that i i just i i just don't think that there's a lot of bands or any you know be they rock bands be they rappers i, I just don't think there's a lot of groups now that have the ability to sort of pull off. Hopefully it's not just like two, like an extra long recording sessions, basically. Hopefully Mm -hmm. it's, it's a la smashing pumpkins. It's kind of two different vibes, two different moods. Um, Same with um, why am I forgetting uh, the nine inch nails double album? Oh, it's uh, the fragile, the fragile. Thank you. There were like, I mean, it's, it's both albums are unmistakably nine inch nails, but Mm -hmm they had two different moods to them. Um, right. Even you had, I think you even had, it wasn't a double album, but you had, didn't System of a Down have a double release? They did Hypnotize and Mesmerize, which was like two single albums that could have easily been a double album were released in a shorter period of time. Like between four, four or five months apart or something. And like, again, albums that had like different vibes, different moods to them. I, I just don't think that there's... I think it's mostly... This is the reason why. I don't think there's a lot of bands working right now, a lot of other groups working right now, that would sort of put a double album out that legitimately had like two different sets of vibes to it, two different feelings to it, two different moods to it. I just don't think they exist right now. Yeah, dude, I got to tell you, like, there is not a lot of bands that have the ability to pull off what Smashing Pumpkins or what Nine Inch Nails did. And there's a lot of bands right now that are releasing double albums that are really just albums that are an hour and 20 minutes long and somehow being called a double album. Mm-hmm. Um, I am against this all the way. I, I've been kind of battling with this art, with my stance on this for a while now because. I guess maybe somewhere in my mind, I was under the impression that like somebody would come out with a double album that just was like better than Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, which I consider to be my favorite double album of all time. It's amazing. And we haven't had that yet. And there's been a lot of people that have stepped up to the plate that have not been able to do what the Smashing Pumpkins did in 1996. There hasn't been a double album that has been consistently where like where I have trouble telling you which is the better of the two discs on melancholy like and some people might easily jump to the first one but i'm telling you i would make some compelling arguments for the second disc Mm -hmm. so like 
And there hasn't been anything that has come out in in the last 10 years that even comes close to this. Like uh, Titus Andronicus, one of my all-time favorite newer punk bands, released a double album. The first half is an album that I could live in for the rest of my life. The second half, I'm just like, yeah, you guys spent all your energy on the first nine mm-hmm. songs. <laughs> like you just never get to where you're going. You never get to, to like where you got in the, the first nine songs as you do throughout the rest of the album. And like, I this is particularly fresh on my mind because last week Wilco released a double album, which is just an hour and 17 minute long album, which uh, is weird because I think that that album would still fit on a CD even by 1990 standards because mm-hmm. um, CDs were like 80, 90 minutes long or whatever. Right. So, um, so I hear this headline, they're releasing a double album. I'm like, okay, so I kind of get excited. I'm a big Wilco fan. Then the album comes out and like, it's probably some of their best like songwriting, like in terms of the substance and like the overall maturity of their sound. But it's basically like 14 or 15, like just acoustic tracks that are not a lot of variety in them. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm thinking to myself that even if this al- if this album was great, like even if this album was the next double album to, you know, to, to, to enter into my top five list of double albums of all time. I am just like, man, it would take me so fucking long to like really like absorb this album. And like, I'm telling you melancholy, it, it took me like, like 10 years to like fully like grasp the genius and the beauty of this album. I don't want to put that kind of effort into this Wilco album that will get swept under the rug. This album is going to get lost in their discography so fast for a multitude of reasons that like that I just named the double album, the way it sounds, all that stuff. And I'm just kind of like, what the fuck is the point? Like there's just no point in releasing all this material because of this audience fatigue. This is like what I was going to, what I was referenced earlier and stuff. This audience fatigue, like is a real goddamn thing. And th- there are bands out there that, that I like, but I'm like, I don't need three albums from you every single year. I don't need it. <laughs> like I, this band I like called King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, they released a, they released this 20, like six months into 2022, they've released a single album and a double album already. And I'm just like, no, like, no, not a chance in hell. Because I believe that part of the music experience, at least like for me, is the ability to like see somebody live. And when you are dropping all this goddamn material and then live just playing your hits, what's the point of me even listening to the new stuff? Like, why would you, why should you even like drop an album or drop 40 songs in a year if I go see you in concert and only two of them are being played live? Like something here is just not adding up to me. So I feel that this large influx of material that comes from these juggernaut of album releasers or these double albums it's just getting into too much material and with the amount of bands and the amount of like random songs and like you know uh, drop-ins and appearances and collaborations and stuff that we are regularly like exposed to on on a weekly basis there is just no room for the double album to be released anymore. Like give me 10 to 14 songs, 14 on, on like the best day of your life. But like, I no longer need to have a, a thing, an album that goes over like two hours. I just don't need, there's no place in my life for it anymore. I, I mean, again, I like, I think to me it has like zero to do with, I know exactly what you're saying. And I, 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 I get it. 
I to me it has nothing to do with time, and it has everything to do with to do with like artistic create like the artistic the artistry in what you're trying to do, and mm-hmm. if it's just twenty five of the same thing, okay, I guess. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like if you're going to go go bother with that sort of presentation and the idea behind it, then like. It should be sort of, just from an artistic standpoint, it should be sort of two different moods to it. And yeah, it like if that's if you're not going to do that, just do what um, what Metallica did recently. And really, it's not even. I mean, I guess it's, it's Metallica, but um, they just they they released their uh, the blacklist. It's just an album of covers. And yeah. Oh yeah. It's like thirty-five songs or something, thirty-four songs, it, something like that. It's a, there's so many different they basically opened up that album to so many guys. There's yep. so many covers on that album. It's really interesting. I mean, I think, yeah. I think some of it I could take or leave, but a lot of it, I'm like, holy shit, this is really good. Um, and, yeah. but I think like the idea there was like, well, it's like, we have all of these covers and a lot of them are, some of them are tremendously interesting. Even if you don't really like them, you can't deny that they're interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Why don't we just throw the whole fucking thing on a, on a playlist and put it out as opposed to trying to release this as like an album. This is just our playlist of covers. Go ahead. Yeah. Take a pick at, at, at the way you want, you know, however you want to take a pick at it, take a pick at it. There's country. Great. Take country. There's a fucking Indian artist on there. Take the Indian artist. You like the Mexican cover? Take the Mexican cover. Like, right. It's it, so it, to that end, it sort of is, it, it's not as, it's not as contained, but I can imagine there being a world where like, let's just say like, a, you know, a bunch of country musicians covered Metallica. And then, like, a bunch of hip-hop musicians cover Metallica. I could see that being a double album. Yeah. Oh, yes. Exactly. Yes. That would, Two completely far ends of the spectrum, genre-wise, coming together. Yes. Definitely, dude. Yeah. Like, I, that's got to be the way you go here. There, There's just no point in releasing 25 of the same song and stuff. Like, I, I feel that what you're saying here about the artistry and stuff, like, that definitely needs to be a part of it and there's nobody out there that's that's even doing it like any any of the bands like there's no point for the chili peppers to release a double album like no. they could they, they probably could do it. radiohead could probably do something like they're not going to do it pearl jam's not going to do it so like it just kind of leaves us with all these sort of like up-and-coming bands or you know maybe newer bands that are already established but i don't want a killer's double album i really don't want a foo fighters double album so like if these people decide not to record them i'm gonna be fine with it you're not gonna yeah. hear any complaints with me from me give me your 10 for best me. i don't need i don't need the remaining 15 yeah exactly that's right give me your 10 best for sure so, all right dude what is your last question for this last segment? last question here and actually this works out pretty well since uh you took it off the you took it off from the old outline but is there a specific roadblock that keeps us from having another Michael Jackson, another Madonna, another Beatles? I mean, like as famous as Justin Bieber is, as famous as The Weeknd is, or Taylor Swift, they're clearly, in terms of their their sort of musical fame, it, it, they're several notches below Michael Jackson, right? right? I mean, there are several notches below The Beatles. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. So what is like, what are some of the specific roadblocks or is there a specific roadblock that's keeping us from getting another, another one of these types? Definitely. I believe that the specific roadblock that's preventing the megastar is the industry itself. And this industry itself, like, I, I don't think that it was done intentionally by the industry. I think the industry 
faced a certain situation when it came to um, the internet and like even going back to Napster and stuff. But the industry reacted and grew and became bigger. There's more freaking bands. There's more people to choose from. Mm -hmm. Getting music is easier in between the streaming services, YouTube, whatever it is, getting it is easier. And because there's a wider variety and there's like, you know, there are radio stations still, but, you know, they're only going to play like a certain kind of music. So this kind of like cuts out a lot of potential like stars. It was, it's, that's been the story of radio for the whole time though. That, yeah. That's like nothing new. Like MTV doesn't play like videos anymore. There's like, there's these things that have happened where we used to kind of get like force fed some of this stuff. And like people are, you know, we have to like, you know, and get everybody does. You have to kind of like go hunt for it and everything. And I kind of feel that because the industry has blown up the way that it has and there's so many bands and it's so easy to like find out about these bands that like we're just like this if it's if it's all a big pie there's just not as much of this pie to eat for anybody and because there's not as much of a pie to eat thus the industry is the industry itself is preventing Mm -hmm. the rise of the next biggest star in the world I 100% agree with you um, that there is there's just not as much to go around um, more too many mouths to feed um, it, I guess would be one way to put it um, and I, I want to add to it because you're 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 dead on and I want to add to it too that it, this another sort of industry um, you know industry inflicted um, wound or reason why this just doesn't probably won't happen ever again is that they want you know, instead of instead of having like one Michael Jackson, what if we what if we could have someone popular every year, and you know you know take mm-hmm. your pick from the from the uh, from the record companies, they and they've all they've always done this to some degree, but I think it's even more pronounced now that all right, um, Katy Perry, this is your year, and then yeah. we know that we know that Taylor Swift's going to come out with an album, so we're gonna we're gonna draw you back in twenty sixteen. Um, nothing's going to happen for you in 2016. And then hopefully by 2018, you, we can put another album out for you. And it's like, they're, it's almost like they want to have someone fresh every single year, as opposed to sort of putting effort behind one person and making that one person sort of just continuously rise. Let's, let's try the next person. Let's try to make sure that in this year that we're not competing with this other company because of this stars releasing this album, blah, 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 so on and so forth. It's, it's almost like they're trying to control the weather and in doing so they're kind of, un, they're unintentionally stunting their own, their own artist growth. Yeah, that is definitely the case because it does seem like every year there is somebody who is like the hottest thing that I got to tell you, I don't like there's obviously there are some, but I feel that like a lot of these pop stars that are super big, the one year are never as big as they are going forward. Mm-hmm. The, like, I think a few people are sort of exempt from that, but, yeah. it, but it's, 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 but they still aren't again, like Taylor Swift is huge. Taylor Swift is not fucking Madonna. Not even close. Right. No, not a chance, not a fucking chance. And like you take some of the, like take like Katy Perry, for example, like, Katy Perry, like, you know, kind of blew up. And then like when around the time that like Roar came out a couple of years after her first kind of introduction mm-hmm. to the world, like 
she has not she has not followed up with like anything as popular as like Roar. She she's gone on tour. She's played shows. She did this whole thing where she tried to um, appropriate David Bowie. It didn't really work in terms of the imagery and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like she just I don't feel she'll still play like the cue and stuff and she'll still sell it out. But I don't feel that like she is as big a presence in the industry as she was when like Roar came out and. While she's going to be this entertainer, she's going to make money and be on TV forever. But like right now, she's kind of more famous for American Idol than she is Mm -hmm. for being a singer. And Roar is only five years old. You know, I mean, in the in the 90s, like, you know, there would be like no doubt, for example, got years out of Tragic Kingdom. They didn't get one year. They got like years up. Close to a decade. Yeah. 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 Close to that. And so we're like, you know, this model that the, um, that the industry has decided to like impose on artists where you're alternating splashes in the pans and stuff. You're basically assuring them that you're not going to, you're never going to get what no doubt got off of tragic kingdom. Like you're never going to get like, um, like these super albums that continue like Boltwood would green day got out of American idiot. Like you're just never going to get that. Mm -hmm. So, um, that is something that uh, the music industry like kind of did to themselves. And now the cat's out of the bag because this is kind of like what everybody expects. And it's almost weird to say, but like, I almost feel that like the, the biggest star in the world could easily release an album next year. And it's still the second album might not be as big just because of the way the system is designed. It's like, okay, you've had your time with Olivia Rodrigo. Now let's move on to the next person. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where it seems to be really, and this, if this could just because I'm not, I'm not into country music, I'm kind of watching it from the outside. It seems mm-hmm. to be very pronounced in country music where um, like, like, all right, well, it's 2019. Kane Brown's going to win every fucking award um, possible. He's going to have the number one album. He's going to be the male artist of the year. And then, yeah. all right, well, Kane Brown's done. We got to move on to it's. Well, you know what? We got to go back to a classic. We got to go back to Carrie Underwood. It's 2020's Carrie Underwood's year. Um, yeah. We got to show that we're we're inclusive. We're not just a bunch of white people. So Mickey Guyton um, in 2021's <laughs> Mickey Guyton's year. I guess Kane Brown's black too, but um, but like it, it, you know, it, it seems it seems to me in country music it's very orchestrated, where like yeah. whoever whoever has a new album coming out, the only you know who fucked it up, Morgan Wallen fucked it up. Um, cause it was Morgan Wallen was supposed to have like a breakout year. Then he got caught on tape, dropping the N-bomb everywhere. Um, that's what that, yep. Yeah. So, so the, he fucked up the, the, you know, the most recent kind of like, you know, he's like a 27 year old, um, 27 year old guy that could get, you know, they could, they can build on and, you know, keep moving forward with, but you know, because of, because of his blow up, I think they pivoted back to like Eric Church or someone was sort of mm-hmm. like the big, was sort of like the big act for the, for the rest of that year. So yeah. it, it it seems it seems like in country music it's extremely orchestrated, who they sort of put their chips behind on a year to year basis. Dude, you're totally right on that because in hearing some of the names that you just ranted off, it seriously felt like those people were a thing for a year and then you never heard from them for a while until like mm-hmm. it was almost like the country music, uh, the the country music mafia, like they made the decision to do this and like, you know, it's weird because how the non music industry, like the non country music industry treats this and like stifles these people's career. But, but in country, it's almost like I'm the chosen one and you're going to su- be super, super fucking popular. Like it almost feels like it doesn't stunt any of those people's careers. I, and I can tell you it's because country music dominates every other format 
in this country by a yeah. lot in not just this country in Canada um in Australia it fucking dominates yeah it is the how popular it is in certain areas overseas is so surprising to me but like i remember being in one of my like classes in college or in high school i think it was like my german class and mr st raleigh was saying that like he's like you'll never believe what is popular over in germany they love the country western thing so not not shocked not totally shocked it's it is like I, i think we've had this discussion before but it's one of like two uniquely american sounds hip hop and country yes. music. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you bet. And country music with the look and everything, that look is like so uniquely american. There's no other countries have that the the, the look of the jeans, the cowboy boots and pants. Like that's nowhere else in the oh, world. Oh, Canada. Oh yeah, the, yeah, that's your, Canada, yeah, you. Bet. Canada's basically cold Texas. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's amazing how like out of just out of all the fucking things to catch on in the world, the cowboy boots and the cowboy hats. I know. Just, I know. I, just one of those things that kind of bugs me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right, dude. So I'll ask, get uh, on with my last one. This is one we actually did talk about in the, um, the previous recording. And that is throughout the course of our lives, we have seen many examples of hard rock and metal making an impact on the billboard charts. It um, happens with the new Tool album and maybe the new, like with the latest Metallica album that had come out a couple mm-hmm. of years ago and stuff. Um, but it's not like it's a common thing. So where do you think heavy metal and hard rock's place in the industry will be in like the next 10 years, like the nearer future? I, I think in, you know, obviously we did this question before. My answer hasn't really changed, I, I, but I do have some more, a little more to add to it. And that it, it's because of, it, again, this is like the, I think this is the big point that you and I both jumped on. Because there aren't any like, superstar American hard rock bands right now that, there's no reason for people for people like at large like me and you to generally pay attention and mm-hmm. certainly there's no reason for people in the music industry to pay attention that right. there isn't there isn't a green day blowing up the charts there isn't a and you know I mean green day's punk but we can for we can go ahead and slide in punk into this conversation as well um because yeah. it's it's in the same spot um you know they're just you know the the foo fighters are maybe the closest thing we have to like a still kind of popular American, you know, a hard rock band, but like mm-hmm. dad rock, they're, right. you know, they're all in their, they're all in their late forties or fifties. And right. it's, it's, and I think that's the other problem that we touched on too. All of these bands that are like all these hard rock bands that like still have maintained some popularity have a, you know, like it, it's all now they're all dads. Now they're all in their fifties. Um, the audience has, you know, aged right along with them. And, you know, that's totally fine. It's just that there's no youth in this particular, there's no noticeable, notable, excuse me, notable youth in this particular genre right now to sort of reinvigorate it. It, it It's like, you know, like I, I bet a green, or green, I bet a, a Foo Fighter show would be a ton of fun. But I guarantee you, if you and I went, we would be amongst the youngest there. Oh, dude, I saw Pearl Jam a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was... With the exception of the the guy who was taking his son to the show, yeah, I was pretty young in that uh, in I mean, that room. That it, it, it sure. wouldn't be like like I just uh, I just saw it yesterday that like Sticks was on tour with Ario Speedwagon. Like if yeah. we went to that, we would definitely be the two youngest people there. But of course, but I mean like I mean realistically speaking, if we went to a Foo Fighter show, um, if we even went to a Green Day show, like the audience would really be more our age and older. You you mm-hmm. probably wouldn't see that many people who weren't brought by their parents um, at either of those shows. 
<laughs> right. Oh my God. Yeah. Like Foo Fighters is definitely, definitely matured and they, their fan base is matured a lot over the course of the years. And even like the last Green Day show that I went to, which was God, like 2016, 17, it's probably 17. Mm-hmm. Um, like, those anybody who is younger in that is now older too. And Green Day hasn't done anything to hook in a newer crop of youth. Like American Idiot would have been their sort of like second run at getting that like youth yeah. audience. And they did. They got a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And but however, they haven't released you know, a dookie or an American idiot since then. I mean it's like I don't know how you really I, could how could you? Yeah. Right, right. So like the they haven't they haven't put out an album that is going to be the gateway for an even younger audience to join up with them. And frankly, I, I think that that ship has sailed because they're a lot older than even than they were in 2004. They are dads and then some, I mean, Billy Joe's son is like, like a teenager, maybe probably even drinking now and stuff like oh, that. I mean, they've been I, around I, for so long. What's going to be scary is that they're going to be grandfathers soon. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. And like, I remember this, this article in this magazine from the nineties, I was like, man, all these guys from green day are under 25 years old. And I'm just like, Oh Jesus, where the fuck is the time gone? (laughs) So like, so like these, um, they don't have, they don't have it. There's not a lot of people in rock in general or hard rock, you know, to go back to what we were talking about that are opening the door for this brand new crop of young people Mm. There are like younger metal bands out there, but like these younger metal bands have to like for Gojira to get to where they are. It's like a fucking lot had to happen for them. They had to like stick around for a while. And like Metallica is always going to be Metallica. So, I mean, like no no matter they've earned it, you know, like they've earned the headline, whatever for the, for the rest of time. But like, other than Metallica, the biggest touring metal act right now is Slipknot, which who are still on on tour by the way. And they have, they have horror and somebody else opening up for them. And on top of like two solid openers and horrors, new albums, fucking awesome. Uh, but on top of like these two legitimate openers, they have this amazing a shit stage show. They get a big boost from the fact that the minute you wear a mask, you are somehow just like oh, you for get sure. an artificial like boost into your popularity oh, sure. or credibility or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, nobody likes Dead Mouse's music. They just love the dude in the mask. <laughs> exactly. Same thing with Marshmallow. <laughs> so like, so it's the same thing with Slipknot and like Slipknot has been around for like 20 fucking years. So like in many ways they have earned it too, but there's not a lot of other bands that are doing it. Like we, you know, we talked about Rammstein there, but they're overseas and it's like, it's the way metal is overseas. It's like a world of difference than how we treat it. Vastly different. How much more popular it is over there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. So like, you know, so America's choices are either like, you know, just rely on the, the big with Rammstein. Rammstein will still play, you know, big shows and big mm-hmm. houses and all that stuff. But like, you know, once again, like they've been around forever. Like there's nobody that is, there's nobody out now that is a metal band that is newer, that like is trending in the direction of becoming even mushroom head. You yeah. know, like, it, like what mushroom head is now might be like the end of the road for like a lot of newer metal bands. It, it, yeah, exactly. I, I I know I mentioned before, um, like when we discussed, we had this part of the discussion before. I know I mentioned um, a hard rock band that I listened to kind of on the reg, um, Royal Blood, but mostly yeah. mostly like when I'm at the gym or something like that or working out. 
It's it's kind of one of those one of those types of bands. And like they've done stuff with like bigger bands and like they've done stuff with um Run the Jewels. Um that's where like I think I kind of think that's like the ceiling for like a really good hard rock band is like well you're going to mm-hmm. guest on someone else's album. You're going to guest on this pop star's album or on this, you know, you're you're going to we you know, we found this pop star, we got to do a punk pop song. You're right. you know, you're the band for it. I really mm-hmm. think that's like the level that they can rise to. Yeah, that's I'm telling you, it's funny you mentioned that because Corey Taylor is on the latest horror album, too. Yep. <laughs> so like that is definitely where they're going. And that is definitely the ceiling. I mean, there's just not as much a demand for it as as there used to be. And like in, in all reality, too, I mean, like, I'm not going to like I'm going to I don't want to like shit on the genre here. But like how many like groundbreaking metal bands do we really have left? I mean, like it's we're talking about like we we go back to like the Metallica and some of like the earlier stuff and like like Sabbath and everything. Sabbath mm-hmm. is one thing. Then you like kind of graduate up to Metallica. Slayer is in there as a as a bigger metal band in time, but they're not as big as like Metallica is. Right. Once you once you get to Pantera, you're you're basically now you're at like what is the pinnacle of the hard rock with the crazy awesome guitar riffs and like a mm-hmm. metal singer. So like the next step in the evolution of hard rock is music that is is borderline unlistable to like the average music fan. So like right. that's when you're getting into like melodic doom metal and death metal and all this kind of stuff. And like that is as much as I love some of that stuff, that is not necessarily something that is going to latch on into to the well, mainstream. Right. And when we had we had that period there since since you mentioned Slipknot, um, we had that period there where I mean Slipknot definitely a metal band. But like one of the wave of new metal bands, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Where we did have a tweak to it, where we had um, Slipknot, Deftones, um, you know, Limp Bizkit, um, right? All those new Cold metal Chamber, bands, all those things. Yeah, you yeah, bet. yeah. We had a twist to it, which it's it's interesting. Like, it, it, this is one of those things. This is how you can you can separate the actual good bands from. I don't. I don't want to say bad bands, but maybe fad band would be the best way to put it. Like. Mm-hmm. Slipknot music, Slipknot's music still kind of fucks. Like, yeah. it's, it's good. Um, Limp Biscuit, not so much. Um, no. There's a few songs that I still like from Limp Biscuit, like legitimately still like. Oh, oh yeah. I'll, yeah, I will rock out break stuff yep. every now and then. Like, yeah, but Slipknot's like the, the the first album, like which I have listened to recently. Yeah, that's still really really good. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Limp Biscuit is on tour now, and I'm telling you, this is strictly a novelty tour. Like people are yep. just going there to to see Limp Biscuit. Like you could, yep. you could have anything on the stage that is like an equivalent of Limp Biscuit, and like their following will show up. Yeah, exactly, show. exactly. There, it, there, there's just there's just a big difference. There is a big difference there, and 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 it goes to the. I know I know we mentioned this before. It also goes to the musical talent too. Like Corey Taylor is a good singer and a good musician. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jay Weinberg is a fantastic drummer. How could you not be, you know, you're Max Weinberg's son. Of course he's going to end up being a good, great drummer. Like, there's right. legitimate musical talent in Slipknot versus, not again, not that, like, Lip Biscuit is untalented. It's just, they're not playing at this, they're not playing the same fucking game. Yeah, West Borland's really good. The rest of the thing is, like, a joke, you yeah. know? Yeah. 